my Govanin Melunin, and thanks for tuning in to Speak, Friend, and Enter Deep Lore. This is where I take the dense and legendary stories of the Silmarillion and do my best to make them more accessible so nerds and non-nerds alike can fully enjoy them. I'm Leah, and I read the books so you don't have to. Today, we're going to talk about the 10th chapter of the Silmarillion, of the Sindar. We've talked a little bit about the Sindar before in an episode called Of the Coming of the Elves and the Captivity of Melkor, but here's a brief refresher. There is a dichotomy between Calaquendi, or Elves of the Light, those who have seen the light of the two trees, may their memory be a blessing, and the Moraquendi, or Elves of the Dark, those who have not. The Sindar exist in a gray area between the two, so they're fittingly called Grey Elves, or Elves of the Twilight. They exist in this in-between space because the Sindarin Elves themselves haven't witnessed the light of the two trees, but they are ruled by people who have. Those special rulers are Thingol and Melian, and we talked about them in a very short previous episode fittingly called Of Thingol and Melian. A brief refresher on that topic as well, Melian is a Maya, Thingol is an elf, they lock eyes in a forest and fall desperately and immediately in love and establish a kingdom there in the forest. Thingol's kingdom is in a region called Beleriand, the northwest part of Middle-earth that, spoilers, no longer exists at the time of the War of the Ring. A great deal of the action in the First Age of Middle-earth will take place here in Beleriand. At this time, all elves in Beleriand take Eluthingol as their king. They are called the Sindar, the Grey Elves of Starlit Beleriand, and although they were Moraquendi, under the lordship of Thingol and the teaching of Melian, they became the fairest and the most wise and skillful of all the elves of Middle-earth. During the noontide of Valinor, when Melkor is in the first age of his three-age imprisonment and all the earth is in peace, Melian gives birth to her only child, a daughter named Luthien, and white star-shaped flowers bloom to greet her. During the second age of Melkor's imprisonment, dwarves are finally introduced into the narrative. They come out of the Blue Mountains and into the region of Beleriand. They call themselves Khazad in their own tongue, but the Sindarin elves call them Gonhirim, or Masters of Stone, and Naugrim, or Stunted People, which is frankly rude. By this point, the dwarves have carved incredible halls and mansions far to the east, and the greatest of their kingdoms is Khazad-dûm, which we will later know by the elven name of Moria. The elves are amazed to meet these dwarves because they had thought they were the only intelligent creatures in Middle-earth. They couldn't understand the dwarves' language, but the dwarves easily learned Sindarin, and they began to build a great road to more easily travel Beleriand. The elves and dwarves both benefit remarkably from their trade relationship, but friendship is slow to grow between them. Melian has a powerful gift of foresight, and during the third age of Melkor's imprisonment, she warns her husband Thingol that the peace in Arda will come to an end. He ponders to himself how he can create a mighty seat of power that will be strong enough to resist any evil that may awaken in Middle-earth, and he asks for the aid and counsel of the dwarves. The dwarves are eager to help, both because they love new challenges and projects, and because they will be paid fairly for their efforts. For Melian taught them much that they were eager to learn, and Thingol rewarded them with many fair pearls. These, Círdan the shipwright gave to him, for they were got in great number in the shallow waters about the Isle of Valar, but the dwarves had not before seen their like, and they held them dear. The dwarves build mansions for Thingol in the manner of their own kingdoms, carved deep in the earth. They build a bridge of stone over the river as Galdwin, and here they build the gates to the Hall of Thingol, the only entry point to his kingdom. 
Beyond the gates, wide passages ran down to high halls and chambers far below that were hewn in the living stone, so many and so great that the dwelling was named Menegroth, the Thousand Caves. We can see echoes of this aesthetic in the second Hobbit movie, In the Kingdom of Thranduil, the Elven King of the Forest of Mirkwood. It seems that Tolkien borrowed some bits of Thingol when he was writing the Elven King, and in book canon it appears that Thranduil has purposely styled himself and his kingdom after that of Thingol who had been his lord in Beleriand. The elves also work to create Menegroth, and both elves and dwarves make wonder and beauty in the caves, echoing the beauty of Valinor across the sea. The pillars are carved to resemble the beech trees of Orome the Hunter, lit with golden lanterns. Nightingales sing here just as they do in the gardens of Lorien. Silver fountains flow, and the floors are made of many-colored stones. Carven figures of beasts and birds there ran upon the walls, or climbed upon the pillars, or peered among the branches and twined with many flowers. And as the years passed, Melian and her maidens filled the halls with woven hangings wherein could be read the deeds of the Valar, and many things that had befallen in Arda since its beginning, and shadows of things that were yet to be. That was the fairest dwelling of any king that has ever been east of the sea. As the third age of Melkor's captivity continues, the dwarfs become troubled, and they go to King Thingol with their concerns. They say that the Valar have not completely cleansed the north of evil, and those things that were left have multiplied and are now coming forth. Before long, wolves and orcs and other fell beasts come even to Beleriand. Thingol decides for the first time that arms will be necessary, and the dwarves forge them for him. Their smithcraft, indeed, the Sindar soon learned of them, yet in the tempering of steel alone of all crafts, the dwarves were never outmatched even by the Noldor, and in the making of mail of linked rings, their work had no rival. In our previous episode about the coming of the elves, we also talked about a group of elves called the Nandor. The Nandor are elves who, during the long trek west to Valinor, were sidetracked by their love of the forests of Middle-earth and stayed there instead. The Nandor are woodland people who don't have strength in arms. They're deeply afraid of the fell beasts coming out of the north. Denethor, no, not that Denethor, the leader of the Nandoran elves, hears rumors of the might and peace of Thingol's kingdom, so he gathers the scattered Nandor and leads them over the mountains and into Beleriand. There, Thingol welcomes them gladly as family, and they live in a place called Osiriand, the land of seven rivers. Now, a great deal of time passes in which there is not much to report because the peace in Thingol's realm is complete. During this peacetime, Diron the Minstrel, Thingol's chief lore master, devises his runic script, and the dwarves go nuts for it and adopt it as their own system of writing. In Beleriand in those days the elves walked and the rivers flowed, and the stars shone, and the night flowers gave forth their scents, and the beauty of Melian was as the noon, and the beauty of Luthien was as the dawn in spring. Thingol rules happily over such a restful time, and at times Orome the Hunter rides over the mountains. The elves fear him, both for the majesty of his presence and the noise of his steed, but they know that when they hear his horns, all evil things have been frightened away. Now the timeline of Beleriand is nearly caught up to the timeline of Valinor we've already covered. Melkor breaks the peace in Valinor, and he and Ungoliant destroy the two trees and flee into Middle-earth. Ungoliant flees into Thingol's realm, but Melian's power repels her, and she retreats to the shadows of the Mountains of Terror. As we've talked about, Melkor has resettled in his fortress of Angband, and that is only 150 leagues from the bridge at the entrance to Thingol's halls. 
Now the orcs that multiplied in the darkness of the earth grew strong and fell, and their dark lord filled them with a lust of ruin and death. And they issued from Angband's gates under the clouds that Morgoth sent forth, and passed silently into the highlands of the north. Suddenly, a great army of orcs enters Beleriand and attacks Thingol from either side of Menegroth, and they plunder far and wide the scattered people who live outside of Menegroth's halls. Thingol calls to Denethor for help, and Denethor arrives from Osiriand, and this begins the first battle in what are called the Wars of Beleriand. The host of orcs is defeated by the armies of the elves, and those who flee north are crushed by the axes of the dwarves. However, this victory comes at a cost. The Nandoran elves from Osiriand are lightly armed and no match for the orcs who have spears and shields and armor of iron. During the battle, Denethor is cut off and he and his kin are killed before Thingol's host can come to his aid. Though Thingol bitterly avenges the death of Denethor, the Nandoran elves lament his loss and never again take a king. After the battle, some of the Nandor return to Osiriand, and their stories of battle fill their people with such fear that they will never again come forth in open war. Thingol calls for all of his people in Beleriand to gather near, and Melian put forth her power and fenced all that dominion round about with an unseen wall of shadow and bewilderment, the girdle of Melian, that none thereafter could pass against her will or the will of King Thingol, unless one should come with a power greater than that of Melian the Maya. The kingdom is now called Doriath, the Guarded Kingdom. Inside Doriath there is a watchful peace, while outside of it there is fear and peril, and Morgoth's servants roam freely. That's going to be it for this episode of Speak, Friend, and Enter Deep Lore. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Those reviews really help people find the show. If you have a question or topic you'd like us to discuss on the show, please email us at speakfriendpod at gmail.com. You can check out the show's Twitter at SpeakFriendPod for official pod stuff and visual aids, and my personal Twitter is at AskIstwin, that's I-S-T-W-E-N. We'll have a regular episode up in two weeks, and next month we'll have another Deep Lore episode about the next chapter of the Silmarillion, of the sun and moon and the hiding of Valinor, where we'll learn about the last living remnants of the two trees becoming the sun and moon, and the Valar shutting the door to Valinor and locking it tight. Until next time... Muhu Torgizu Turaguskin.